Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to another episode. And today, this whole week, actually, we have something special going on. So I am currently in real time doing a live workshop. I told you about it last week, and it's called How to Naturally Improve Your Mental Health. So this week, I'm going to be sharing the replays of these live videos, but obviously you'll just hear the audio on the podcast because this is too good to not share. This is a workshop that I have been working on for months, and it's really taking you through the foundations of understanding how natural methods help improve our mental health, why they actually work, and why they are sort of like coming out more and more. Spoiler alert, it's because science is actually able to do research on these methods that have, some of them have been done for thousands of years, but we finally have this evidence, this research-based um, information that backs up what's actually going on physiologically, neuro- neurologically with our body and our brain. As you all know, I'm a mental health dietitian. I'm obsessed with how to help improve our mental health. You know I have overcome anxiety and depression naturally. And now that I actually understand the why behind it, because I've been studying this research and this neuroscience, and I'm currently in school to become a functional medicine practitioner. So I really have a full understanding of why. And now I can explain to you how this is actually working in a way that is really easy to grasp, right? Because we don't all want to go to biochemistry class and and neuroscience class and all that. I totally get it. But I want to start making some connections for you that maybe you have realized before, but you're like, oh, just maybe it's just me. Or maybe this is happening because... I just can't, you know, focus enough or I can't think hard enough or whatever. We always sort of revert back to mental health all being in our mind and our psychology and it's actually not a significant portion of it lies within our physiology, within our genes and most importantly epigenetics, which is basically the environment's interaction with our genes which turn them on or turn them off. There's so much I'm talking about this week. We, just in this first day, we touched on some of these methods and how they can interact with our genes, even if we have a family history of mental health stuff that might be, you know, floating around in our DNA somewhere. And so I want to empower you this week. I want to give you tools that you can practice, that you can have in your tool belt. We're not just going to be sitting and doing a seminar. We're going to be experiencing things together. And so I am excited to lead you through that and have you experience some of these methods and these tools 
that maybe you've never even heard of before, or maybe you've not put into practice. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. I get, I'm a little casual in the beginning. I'm telling you about my weekend just as a way to uh, allow people to come onto the live before I actually jump into the meat of everything, but I hope you enjoy it. And of course you can still sign up throughout the first week um, of March, 2022 and jump in, watch the videos and all that. I'll put the link in the show notes below. And if this is, you know, six months from now that you're listening to this podcast, I have a live workshop that you can watch anytime. So you can go to the link below and sign up for that. And then you can watch that immediately also. So you won't miss a thing. All right. Enjoy. So I had a great weekend. I'll just kind of do a little entertainment as we're all waiting. I had a really, really, really nice weekend. Um, so I was with my family on Saturday. It was kind of like the first big get together since the holidays. And for the last maybe four or five years, we have done a homemade family pasta making party. Um, my family on my mom's side is Sicilian. And so we're trying to keep as many of those traditions alive. And um, we never, you know, made pasta growing up. We, of course, we did like huge Italian Sunday sauce dinners. And my grandma would always make so much food for everybody, but we never did the homemade pasta thing. So a few years ago, we um, were re-inspired to go back to our roots and do that. And um, so we started doing it. We've made fettuccine. We've made, uh, gosh, what have we, what have we made? Like it's usually long stringy pasta because it's the easiest one to put through the machine. We've made um, tagliatelle. Sorry, I say it like with a weird Long Island accent. It's horrible. Uh, but the raviolis, which we made a couple of years ago, were definitely like the fave. And so we made them again this year. And it's the whole experience, just, you know, getting together with family, making it. It's just such a beautiful day. And, you know, no one's really on their phone, up, taking pictures and stuff. But it's just such a moment. It's just such a, it's just such a, one of these memories that you, I don't know, for me, I just have become more and more, like, I just want to be completely present in my moments in my life and enjoy them without intrusive thoughts, without thoughts of, you know, carb counting, like weight stuff, diet stuff, um, not having anxiety get in the way of just being present and just enjoying the interaction together as a whole. And um, I feel like over the last few years, that's something that I've intentionally put into practice and has really changed the way that I show up in those family moments or friend moments, you know, moments of my life. And there's going to be sort of an underlying theme of that in our workshop this week, which is, you know, we're not just trying to improve our mental health for the sake of improving our mental health. Like just to say, check, done that, right? Sometimes we're so preoccupied with this checking boxes and reaching goals and like, why are we doing all of this? Why are we striving for all of this? And so why do we want to improve our mental health? What is in that for us? What is our personal lever, leverage, point of leverage? What is our personal motivator? 
for doing these things that help us feel better mentally. Yes. And then that's going to pour into physically and that's going to pour and pour. So we're going to explore what some of those things are for us this week. All right. So we got some peeps here on Facebook. <laughs> Sometimes I'm live and I like say strange things I'm like Christine, you would never say peeps ever. So why are you saying it now? All right. So, um, we're here and just know that I love interaction. I like feed off of interaction. So the best places that you can interact with me throughout these live workshops, but then also if you're watching the replays is the comment section or the chat box. So find that wherever you're watching and I wanna hear your responses in real time as, as you're watching this, no matter when you're watching this. I know this is hard to get to, I'm doing it in the middle of the day, I understand. So I am excited to be able to give you the replays, that's why we're recording it and I will send you that via email each day so you can watch it as many times as you want over the course of the next two weeks or so. I'll probably keep the videos live and um, kind of like go back because we're going to dive into a lot of info and I want, I know it's going, it's like one of those things where you absorb some of it the first time you hear it and then you absorb more the second time and more the third time and I really want you to hear some of these really important points that we're going to talk about this week and experience this week too. But let's, um, let's kick this off in a proper way. Give me one, oh, there we go. Give me one second. Okay. So I want you to see my face and I want to interact with you as much as possible, but I am going to be sharing a little bit later some visuals because I just find that when we talk about some of these topics, it's just so much easier to grasp when you have a visual and you don't have to just like go by my terrible descriptions of things. <laughs> so um, I'm going to share my screen with you in a little bit, but hi, welcome to the first day of our five-day free workshop on how to naturally improve our mental health. My name is Christine Cohen and I am a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and I'm also a fitness professional, personal trainer, fitness instructor, all the things. I have been doing both for a little over 12 years now. My focus, as you know, my focus is in depression, anxiety, and I also have helped women, uh, coach women out of binge eating into what I call food freedom. And I am the founder of a few programs. One is called the Warrior Team Workouts. It's basically a 22-minute workout that I designed to do from home, from the comfort of your own home, uh, to encourage you to use movement to improve your mental health, to boost how you feel instead of change how you look. Because I've had a personal experience with actually depression, anxiety, and binge eating, and I will share a bit about that in a second. But for the most part, I really started to change my relationship with exercise and with food when I stopped looking at it just as something to change my aesthetics and change my physical out, outer and look at it as a tool that can actually improve my inner. So it was very, very, very powerful for me. 
I'm also the founder of the Natural Solutions Program, which I'll tell you about throughout this program, or throughout this workshop, rather. And I did a fundraiser, or I guess it was a fun, yeah, fundraiser a few years ago called Deadlifts Over Depression. And it was basically, how many deadlifts can you do in 60 seconds? You could use socks. Like, I didn't care <laughs> what you lifted. You could have lifted a barbell. People lifted their cats and their dogs. Some people got really creative and, like, lifted their family members in, um, like, a like a, a kayak. It was so fun. And we raised money for um, some mental health causes. So this is obviously very close to my heart. Uh, I live on Long Island, New York. I lived in Manhattan for about seven years and I moved back to Long Island in the midst of the pandemic, but I'm really happy where I am right now. And that's partially because I love getting outdoors. I love being in nature and there's a lot of outdoorsiness where I am right now. Not a ton, but more than New York City for sure. So uh, without further ado, I just want to say there's a lot of people here from different backgrounds, from different life experiences. And so you are in the right place today. If, you're if you struggle with low energy or fatigue or brain fog, anxiety, mood lows, apathy, low motivation, you're in the right place today if you've never been diagnosed with any mental health problems, have never been on any antidepressant or anti-anxiety medications, but regardless, you just don't feel great. You just don't feel like yourself. You're in the right place today if your doctor orders a bunch of lab tests to try and figure out what's going on with you, but the labs all come back normal. And you're like, okay, but I don't feel normal. I don't feel like myself. So what's next? And either the doctor just kind of like puts his hands up or her hands up, or they send you to see a psychiatrist and you just feel like there's gotta be more to this. And you're also in the right place today if you just believe there is more to anxiety and depression and to mental health and to the impact that we can have on it, but you're just not sure where to begin. I know that there is so much information, misinformation, so much overwhelming information, distracting information. It's like, how do we weed through this and just figure out what is the best thing? You're in the right place if you have been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, ADHD, OCD, or something similar. You're in the right place if you've been to therapy, but you're looking for something more, maybe something to help you more, maybe it only has helped you so much. You're here, you're in the right place today if you have not found complete relief or healing that you're looking for through different medications. And you're also in the right place if you just wanna learn more about how you can improve your mental health naturally or to support someone else who is going through their own mental health struggle. So I wanna tell you a little bit about myself and my story, and I'm hoping that will just give you a little bit of insight into why I do this. So basically, about 12 years ago, um, I got my dream job as a registered dietitian, personal trainer, I'm just fresh out of dietitian school, like baby nutritionist, baby personal trainer, got my dream job, this big, beautiful health club at um, a Lifetime Fitness. Some of you may be familiar with it. And I was so excited. Could not wait. We were grand opening the club. And it was a big deal for me to take this quite, you know, big roll on for a 22-year-old. 
That was the same year, within a few months of starting that job, I started struggling with anxiety and depression and binge eating. In just a matter of months, all of my, you know, historically, my historical habits of exercising, I was, do, you know, mostly doing it for aesthetics, but I would easily go out for a run or I would take a yoga class or I would lift some weights. I would enjoy eating healthy food. Um, but again, all within the restriction of keeping fit, looking a certain way, that was kind of like my main motivator at the time. So all those habits, all those, what I didn't even realize was were self-care habits at the time, went out the window. And in just a matter of a couple of months, literally like two to three months, my energy totally started to tank. My mental capacity totally started to tank. Over the course of like six months, I gained 30 pounds. I had no energy, no matter how long I slept, how much I slept. My motivation, my desire to take care of myself totally disappeared. I was compulsive eating daily, just coming home from work and inhaling whatever I saw, whatever I could get my hands on, not from a hunger standpoint, but from a trying to fill something inside of me that I didn't know what it was at the time. I would sleep for 10 hours a night easily, never feel rested, always like feeling exhausted, waking up exhausted throughout the day. I would call out of work often because even just the thought of having to go to work and be a person and you know train clients, work with clients was so overwhelming that I was not able to even handle it. I remember feeling gray. I remember feeling numb, like there was no color in anything that I did, in anything that I thought about, in anything that I felt. I would isolate myself slowly away from family and friends, never sharing any of this because I was ashamed, because I was scared, because I didn't want to have a problem. I know that sounds ridiculous, but even think about, this was 12 years ago, and we've come a long way in 12 years, so there wasn't not this access. There was People weren't talking about, like, better help didn't exist. All these therapy apps didn't exist. It was still kind of like under, you know, underneath the rug sort of thing. I was too scared to get help and I kind of just tried to bear it. I think I blamed a lot of it on just my willpower and that I couldn't keep my shit together, that I was just losing like resilience and just blaming it on me, on myself without really understanding everything that was contributing and triggering this spiral to happen. So I just kept spiraling down, 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 down into what I call my deep dark hole, where I just felt like I couldn't see any light. I thought I would feel like this forever. Something that I believed at the time, we're going to talk about mental health beliefs today, but something that I believed at the time was that was what I learned mental health issues to be. And I primarily learned this from pharmaceutical commercials for antidepressants, which was depression is a genetic disease, it's a genetic problem. Your brain chemicals are imbalanced. You have low serotonin, whatever. And you will suffer from this for the rest of your life. 
and the only way to treat it is through medication. That is what I believed at the time for depression and, and anxiety really to be. And I, that scared the crap out of me, just to be frank. Like it scared the shit out of me. So much so that I refused to accept that that could possibly be what I had. So I just tried to go back to what I knew to be true. Like, you know, just try and work out. Just try and get back on that exercise regimen. Try and fix what you're eating. And from the perspective of just get back to who you were before. Get back to the fitness habits that you had before. Ultimately, I was actually making myself worse because from what I know now, in hindsight, I was really burning myself out. My body had nothing left to give. And so stressing it out by dieting and stressing it out by doing intense exercises actually were pulling me down instead of boosting me up. So um, kind of, I just, I think I started to realize at a point, okay, maybe I am struggling with depression. I know that I'm struggling with binge eating, that's for sure. And anxiety is definitely a part of what I'm feeling. But I still was not ready to get help, like professionally. I remember one day, I don't know why, I I guess, you know, how depression kind of can come in waves. And so some days are really, really bad, can't get out of bed. And some days you can sort of just like make it through functioning as a person And I guess I had a better day and I got myself to a hot yoga class, which was not even really something that I did often, but I got there. Hot, sweaty, 90-minute class. I get out, I go to my car, I sit down, and I start crying because for the first time in months, I felt like a glimmer of me, the person I knew myself to be come come back like within me i felt lighter i felt hopeful i felt satisfied i felt like you know it's like this energy of yourself this like i could take a deep breath for the first time in months and i felt that and it immediately hit me and i started to cry like there she is like i'm not it still brings me to tears. Like I'm, I can get through this. Like this is not going to be forever. Like this is, she's still in there. And I remember at that point was the first time ever that I connected moving my body exercise to my mental health and how it shifted something. It, sh- it shifted something. Even though I went home, went to bed, woke up the next morning, that was completely gone and I was back down to a depression feeling again. I didn't forget that. I didn't forget that. I didn't think it was, you know, just a blip. I I thought there's something to this and I am going to figure this out and I'm going to figure out how to climb out of this deep, dark hole, no matter what it takes. Has anyone else had an experience like this where you're struggling and movement shifts something for you, even if it's for like a few minutes? So that was like a catalyst point for me. It was definitely not, you know, an upward projection from there, but I started to realize, wow, okay, so movement changes how I feel. Maybe it only helps me like become back to myself for a few hours, but it definitely does something. What else? impacts my my mental health? What else 
makes me feel worse? What else makes me feel better? And I started over, this is over time, like over months and even like the better part of years, I started to put together when I eat certain foods, like very like large amounts, when I binge eat, for instance, I knock myself back down into a deep depression. When I have large amounts of sugar, when I have alcohol, this happens, especially if it's like a like a big, you know, social going out drinking with friends thing. For sure, if I have a hangover, gonna knock me down into a deep depression again for days. If I don't get enough sleep, if I am not moving my body, I also notice if I don't get enough like me time, I will start to become back down into a depression. And I also notice if I'm not spending quality time with people that I truly love and care about, even if it's for a short period of time, I need that. Like I need some of that social interaction and that helps me feel better. So I started to notice all these things and I started to ask myself, how does this make sense with what I believed depression and anxiety to be a genetic issue, chemical imbalance, how is it that all of these things can impact and influence how I feel, whether it makes me feel better or makes me feel worse? So I started to dig in to the neuroscience. I started, once I, once I really recovered, which was only, I would say my last depression episode, like where I was really struggling was about four years ago. And that was not the same cause as my initial experience of depression, which went on for years. Um, The one I experienced about four years ago, the last one I ever experienced, and hopefully the last one forever, but um, was because of a relationship. So, you know, relationships, um, stress, you know, trauma to that degree, absolutely can, absolutely can um, be a cause of depression. And I don't, I never leave those things out because even though I don't specialize in them, they are absolutely a cause of mental health um, or mental struggle, I should say. So the last time I struggled was about four years ago and all of my practices absolutely helped kind of like keep me from going super deep and super dark into that depression and absolutely helped me climb out of it as well. But throughout this journey, I really became determined to not let anxiety or depression or binge eating steal away any more moments of my life because it had taken years. It had taken years away from me. And I didn't want that. I didn't want that anymore for myself. So once I recovered again, about four years ago, I really started digging in to science and neuroscience and research and understanding why what I did helped me recover. Am I just like a random case or is this something that other people are experiencing? And what I learned was, yeah, a lot of people are impacting their mental health naturally. And the reasons why and the ways might vary a little bit because as we're gonna learn, there's a lot of causes of depression And so therefore there are a lot of solutions for depression, but I wanted to help people figure out through the physiological part of it, through nutrition, through um, regulating our nervous system, all these things that we're going to talk about this week really can help um, you resolve a lot of these issues. So today I am a mental health dietitian 
I help people overcome anxiety and depression and binge eating through the neuroscience-based natural methods. And the awesome thing is these natural methods can be done if you're in therapy, can be done alongside, you know, if you're on medication. It's a great complement for that. And I feel like it's a missing piece in a way. So a story that I like to, or it's really like an allegory that I like to share because it just hits me so much and it really feels like this is my purpose for being here, um, is this. So first time I heard this was watching an episode of The West Wing, which was on in the early 2000s, and it's one of my favorite shows ever. But um, in it, one of the characters shares the story with his coworker, his co um, his coworker had just experienced some PTSD or was going through PTSD, and um, the guy telling the story was in recovery for alcohol and narcotics uh, abuse, and so he shares the story. He says, "So a guy is walking along the road and falls into a hole, and the hole is so big that he can't get out, and so." He's yelling, please help me, somebody help me, I'm stuck down in this hole. He tries to climb out, slides back down, can't get out. A little while later, a doctor walks by and the guy shouts out, hey doc, can you help me? I'm stuck down here, like I need your help, please help me. So the doctor writes him a prescription on his prescription pad, throws it in the hole and walks on. Short while after that, guy's still down in the hole, and a priest walks by. And the guy shouts up, Father, Father, please can you help me? I'm stuck down in this hole. I can't get out. I need help. And so the priest says a prayer over the hole and continues walking on. Guy's still stuck at the bottom. A little while after that, the man's friend walks by. And the man shouts up, hey, Jack, Jack, it's me. I'm stuck in this hole. Can you help me, please? And so Jack jumps in the hole. Our guy looks at him and says, what the hell did you do that for? Now we're both stuck down here. And Jack just says, because I've been down here before and I know the way out. I've been down here before and I know the way out. I may not know how you got there. I may not know your exact life experiences, but I have been down there before and I am happy to guide you out. I'm happy to jump in the hole with you and guide you out. And that's truly what I feel like my work here is, is for. Whoo! So that is my just intro to today and we are going to kick it off again. <laughs> so, all right, if you don't know me, I love to dance and dancing is one of my favorite forms of movement because it's freeing, because you just get to listen to music and have it fill your body and have it change. It's one of my favorite ways to shift my energy. Let's just put it that way. And I wanna share that with you throughout this week. I'm going to be sharing a bunch of experiential things with you in terms of shifting your energy, in terms of shifting 
your nervous system and regulating all that, but this one is definitely one of my favorites. So I'm gonna play a song and we're gonna have a dance party. Hello, cause why not? <laughs> just let yourself go, no one can see you and just let yourself be in the moment as we do this dance party together. So I'm just gonna share my computer audio Figure, think of this as just like a break, a way to breathe, a way to move, a way to release, allowing this next hour that we're going to spend together be for you. So good, so good, so good. <sighs> Feel that. Feel that. Feel that energy shift. Woo! Dance like nobody's watching. <sighs> so, so good. How do you feel? All right. Good, yes. Release, yes. Let me know. Movement helps so much. Yes, it does, Lori. <sighs> okay, so I'm gonna share my screen. And we're gonna get into a little bit of the work today. Okay. 
So again, welcome to day one. If you haven't already done so, just introduce yourself. Where are you? Uh, who are you? Where are you from? Keep it to the basics if you like, but feel free to share a little bit more about what you're looking forward to learning this week, what your favorite form of movement is, what you're struggling with, what you're feeling good about. Love, love, love to hear it. So we are going to learn a lot over this next week. We actually have six days, um, five days plus a bonus day. And on day one today, we are going to dive into understanding a little bit more about our mental health beliefs. We're going to learn what the biological issues that can affect our mental health are, what that even means. And we're going to talk about the physiological root causes of poor mental health and not only how to treat them naturally, but why natural methods legitimately can help. We're also going to get into some myths and bust those. Tomorrow, each day I'm going to focus on like a natural practice to teach you and we're going to do together. So tomorrow is going to be vagus nerve stimulation and breath work. Has anyone heard of vagus nerve stimulation? Type a one in the chat if you have. If you haven't, you're going to learn tomorrow. And day two, we're going to also talk about nutrition. So why is nutrition key when it comes to mental health? We're going to talk about the nervous system, what the heck that even is, and how does it impact how we feel and how we can impact it. We're going to talk about anxiety and blood sugar imbalances and how often we feel anxious when our blood sugar is imbalanced and how to address that. And we're going to talk about cortisol, our stress hormone, and we're going to talk about sleep and how they all interact with each other. On day three, the natural method we are going to learn about is the emotional freedom technique or tapping, which is a beautiful, beautiful technique. We're going to talk about lab tests. So how can they, can they even tell when our mental health is struggling? What lab tests will reveal information for us that would help? Uh, we're also going to talk about why if your doctor does order lab tests, sometimes they come back normal, but you don't feel normal. And on day three, we're going to get into amino acids, the supplements that can help improve our mental health. We're going to take an amino acid questionnaire, so you're going to have a better idea of which amino acid or acids can help. On day four, the natural methods we're going to talk about are cold hydrotherapies or like cold plunges, cold showers, and heart coherence. We're also going to dive into gut health and why that's connected to mental health, how to know if we have any food sensitivities, what the heck the difference is between probiotics and prebiotics, and should I be taking either of them, and the direct role that your gut bacteria plays in your mental health every single day. On day five, the natural method we're going to dive into is exercise, is movement, and you're going to learn why exercise is so powerful for mental health. We're going to talk about nutrient deficiencies, big, big topic, that directly cause poor mental health, nutrient imbalances, I should really say. We're going to talk about why your mental health changes when you get PMS and how to improve this. PMS is totally common, but it's not actually normal to have that. And then the best treatments for seasonal affective disorder or the winter blues, which most of us who live here in the Northern Hemisphere might um, be experiencing. 
And then on day six, which is Sunday, so Saturday, we're just gonna chill. You guys can rewatch any of the videos if you missed out. And then Sunday, we're gonna meet up live here on Zoom. And since it's a Sunday and a weekend, I'm hoping most people can come. Um, we'll nail down a time later this week, but you'll be able to be face to face with me, ask me any questions, get some coaching from me, and it'll be as if like we're working together one on one. So it's a kind of like a little sneak peek into my group program and if um, if like how we run those group um, monthly group calls. And then, of course, each of these natural methods that we are going to be kind of like practicing and trying on together this week are all so amazing. Like, did you know that exercise can be just as effective um, for improving depression symptoms, like a, even a low level of depression up to major depressive disorder, comparably to antidepressants. So it works as good as antidepressants or sometimes even better depending on the research study. And that's because that exercise affects our brain chemicals even more so than antidepressants. It actually impacts the same brain chemicals that antidepressants are designed for, but even more because we're learning all of these ways that our mental health can be positively improved and exercise hits on all of them. It's incredible. It truly is our natural antidepressant. It's amazing. And then also for anxiety, exercise has been shown to dramatically decrease anxiety. And even in people that experience panic attacks in, in a research study where they induce a panic attack through a certain chemical, when they have people exercise before they induce them into having a panic attack, um, it actually decreases. It, it like They don't have the panic attack when they exercise beforehand. So that's how powerful it is. Um, we're gonna talk about cold hydrotherapy, which some of you may have had experience before. If you've ever wet, read like a Wim Hof book, he's kind of one that's popularized cold hydrotherapy in the West. And now they're doing tons of science to show why it actually helps, but it increases our body's immune system by giving us a small manageable dose of stress. It increases our brain chemicals, which we need to feel good, like dopamine and endorphins and serotonin. It decreases inflammation. It can lower anxiety, um, really any inflammatory-based illness, including depression. So it's incredibly powerful for our immune system, our overall well-being. Um, vagus nerve stimulation, which can be done in a multitude of ways, and I'm going to show you some later this week that you're probably like, oh my God, that's why that feels so good, because you're actually stimulating your vagus nerve and you don't even know it. But vagal stimulation has a positive response with everything from rheumatoid arthritis to digestive disorders, including Crohn's disease and IBS, diverticulitis, um, autoimmune disorders like MS and fibromyalgia, lupus, chronic fatigue, PTSD, epilepsy, Alzheimer's, and of course, anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. So we're going to learn all about vagus nerve stimulation and how to, how to practice this every day. Sneak peek, one of the ways that we can stimulate our vagus nerve is through intentional 
breathing, uh, intentional breathwork techniques. So did you know that breathing through your nose actually is one of the healthiest things that you can do for yourself? Yeah, like breathing through your mouth, one of the most unhealthy things you can do for your mental health and physical health. So when we breathe through our nose and breathing through the right nostril, left nostril can actually stimulate our nervous system in a way that can calm us or stimulate us up. And so breathing correctly, breathing through our diaphragm, using breathwork techniques to purposely activate parts of our nervous system to bring us into a calm mode or stimulate us can be immensely, immensely changing and improving to our mental health. We're also going to talk about meditation. We're also going to talk about heart coherence. So we're going to get into a lot of really, really good things. Tapping as well. And later this week, I'm also going to introduce you to a step-by-step -step way to implement all of the practices that we're talking about this week. So you're going to leave so empowered, so, so empowered. I want to tell you about Heather. So Heather was about 55, had been on bipolar medications for the last 30 years since she was in her early 20s. And she also had blood sugar imbalances going on. She was experiencing bloating, mood swings, stress, anxiety, and then also brain fog, just not really be able to think clearly, hard to make decisions. So after going through, you know, traditional treatments, conventional treatments for 30 years, she finally connected to a functional practitioner. And through working there, they were able to discover that her vitamin D levels were deficient, that her ferritin iron was high, that she had a lot of nutrient deficiencies and imbalances, and also she had food sensitivities that were causing inflammation in her body. So they addressed all of these over a few months. And within just a few months, Heather was feeling better than she ever had before. Like she's, you could see, I haven't felt this good in five years. She had no more mood swings. Her depression resolved. Her manic episodes resolved. She felt calm. She felt in her body. She felt like a good energy, um, like a good amount of energy throughout the day, not a over the top amount of energy, something that she could function on, live a full life on. So just by addressing some of these physiological causes and contributors to her mental health status, she was able to really improve her mental health drastically. Another story of Jamie, Jamie was 23 and she always had PMS, would get acne, mood swings, um, low, uh, low mood, anxiety all around right before her period. She would get middle of the night food cravings, go and binge on food in the middle of the night, low energy no matter how much she slept and had this like heart palpitation going on. So again, connected with a functional practitioner and they discovered and then treated that she also had blood sugar imbalances that were crashing and spiking her blood sugar and her cortisol levels that were really contributing to her mood swings and her anxiety. They recognized she had a gluten sensitivity, so they removed gluten from what she was eating. They also noticed that she wasn't getting enough omega-3 fats in what she was eating as well. So they addressed all of these 
And she said, for the first time in three years, I'm actually sleeping through the night. And we all know how sleep, how important sleep is for our health, for our mental health, especially. And half the time we're like, I know sleep is important, but I'm still not getting, I can't get enough sleep. I'm not getting adequate sleep. What do I do? So finally she was sleeping through the night. No more menstrual complaints, no more PMS, lost eight pounds in a few weeks and was feeling better every day. And then the last story I want to share with you is Allie. And Allie uh, was struggling with imposter syndrome, you know, just not feeling like she was good enough um, at her being her, like at her work, at her job, in her life. She experienced social anxiety. She had general anxiety as well. Uh, Tons of stress, terrible sleep, and her digestion was pretty awful. And so again, addressed and treated the root causes and worked on sleep, managed stress levels, changed what she was eating to remove a lot of the known food sensitivities, started to improve what she was eating and add supplements to get therapeutic dosages of minerals and vitamins. And her health started to shift, but it still wasn't 100%. And then she added in amino acid supplements. She added in tyrosine tryptophan and GABA, which are just, actually have them right here. So they're just a bunch of amino acid supplements. Amino acids are from protein. And that is when things really started to change. She said, I feel like the person I'm supposed to become. I can't thank you enough for the amazing work you've been doing. I will definitely be following your journey um, and sharing this information so that others can benefit from it. So really, Ali felt an incredible shift in her mental well-being by making these natural improvements. So my question to you is, what would it mean for you if you improved your mental health? What would it mean for your life if your mental health improved? I want you to just take a moment and just write down what comes to mind when you ask yourself, if my mental health improved, How would my life be different? How might it be different if I woke up feeling good with energy and looking forward to the day, not being plagued by these anxiety thoughts, feeling motivated and excited to go for the dreams that I have? Imagine having practices every day that not only prevented a relapse of depression or anxiety, but actually increased my ability to connect with myself and the people that I love and feel joy and feel peace and feel energized, feel connected, feel present, feel loving, feel passion, all of these high vibe energies. What if you could access that every day by improving your mental health? A lot of people, most of the time, when we talk about making some kind of change or improvement to our lives, we look at what we need to do. We set up a bunch of action steps, like what is it that I need to do differently with what I'm eating? What do I need to do? What actions do I need to take? What are the steps to make this lasting change? And we focus on 
just the doings, trying to action our way to the result that we want. And we focus on the goals and we focus on the steps only. We're just, what do I need to do? And what this has looked like historically, just asking myself, what do I need to do to get better mental health is we just look continually outside of ourselves. We look, oh, okay. So we look for, okay, what supplements do I need to take? And we try those and then those didn't work. Okay, well, what other supplement or what diet do I need to do to feel better? Is it the keto diet? Is it the Mediterranean diet? Should I do intermittent fasting? Well, that one didn't work. So, you know, what else do I need? I must be doing something wrong. I'm doing, doing it, doing it. Just focusing on the doing. Getting so wrapped up. But the truth of the matter is, our actions are actually the last step into the outcome. Our action steps are the last thing that comes down the line. And we're only looking at, almost like we're only looking at the symptoms. Like, how do I fix the symptoms? What do I need to do differently to fix the symptoms? But we need to back it up, just like we need to back it up when it comes to addressing the physiological root causes. We need to go to the root. I like to often use like a like a stream analogy for this. We're looking way too far downstream for the answers. We got to go upstream. And when we go upstream in this, we go all the way back to our belief systems. The action steps that we take or we don't take are driven by our belief systems, our beliefs, our core beliefs are at the root of what we get back, you know, back to us. Many times we aren't even aware of our beliefs or how profoundly our beliefs are affecting our thoughts, which are affecting our feelings, our feelings, which are affecting what actions we take, which give us the current state of our mental health. We move through our days constantly trying to go forward, but at the same time, like slamming on the brakes, holding ourselves back. How many of you have ever felt like that? I know I have. Trying to take steps forward, but at the same time, holding yourself back. Why are we doing that? What is that from? It's because that happens when our beliefs don't match up with our actions. What am I, what do I mean? Let's, let's do an example together. Okay. So let's do an example of a conscious belief versus a subconscious limiting belief and how that can hold us back in our improving our mental health. So the conscious belief, I just kind of picked one as a random example. You could fill this in with your own, I actually encourage you to do this with some of your own beliefs, but I figured this one might hit most of us. So the belief that I have is I want to heal. I want to heal. I want my mental health to improve. But subconsciously, my limiting belief is healing is fucking hard. <laughs> Sorry for the F-bomb, but like healing is hard. This is hard. And so that limiting belief is at a discord with our conscious belief. I'm saying I want to heal, but I'm also telling myself that it's hard. So I'm like trying to go forward, but also holding myself back at the same time. When we have the limiting belief that healing is hard, it's going to create thoughts, stories about that belief. Something like, well, this program's not gonna be easy. This workshop, hard. What she's gonna have us do, putting this into practice, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna take forever. 
It's going to take days, months, years, decades. It's going to take so much energy for me. It's, if it's going to be hard, it's going to drain me so much. And I don't even have energy to give. Like I don't even have energy to barely get up and do my life. And now I have to do all this other stuff. Oh my God, that's hard. Another thought could be, well, I haven't healed yet. So maybe it's just not possible for me to heal. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe I'm not strong enough. Another thought could be, well, what if it's too hard and I can't do it? So these thoughts are going to start to create feelings. And these feelings aren't going to be the type of feelings that want to make us get up and like, woo, I feel so motivated. Let's go. Let's go work out. Let's go make a delicious meal. Let's go, you know, do this breathwork practice. Let's go. No. These aren't energizing thoughts. These are freaking draining thoughts. And these feelings, we're going to feel drained. We're going to feel frustrated. We're going to feel depressed. We're going to feel hopeless. Maybe even jealous or envious of other people who are able to do it. Like, why do, why can they do it? I can, and I can't do it. Comparing ourselves to other people's journeys. We're going to feel defeated, hopeless, helpless, annoyed, afraid, sad, resistant, so you can see how these feelings aren't gonna elicit action steps, right? We don't wanna do actions, you know, that are gonna be um, supportive of these. Sorry, we're not, we're not going to want to do action steps that are gonna help us feel better when we're telling ourselves we're not, it's not gonna even work. How many of you have known that movement can shift your energy. You've had that experience somewhere in your past before, and yet here you are sitting on the couch feeling like crap, low energy, low mood, and you're actively telling yourself, it's not even going to make a difference. I don't even know why I'm going to do it. I'm not even going to do it. It doesn't matter. I've done that so many times I can't even tell you. I can't even count. So the actions that are going to be inspired from these feelings are going to be procrastination, avoidance, wanting to stay, just stay busy, stay distracted, do the things that aren't really going to help, but you're kind of fooling yourself into thinking they're going to help. And so you feel like you're doing something productive, but you're actually not. Acting out on family and friends. Yes. Second guessing yourself, always looking outside for answers, never connecting to yourself, never connecting to your own body's wisdom to understand actually what your body's telling you it needs all the time. And so that's going to create the reality that maybe you're experiencing now. The end result always reinforces the belief that we have. Is that keeping you stuck in a loop? Or is it expanding and healing and growing you? Let me ask you again. The end result always reinforces the belief system that we have. In this example, that healing is hard. So is your belief keeping you stuck in a loop or is it expanding and healing and helping you grow? If it's not, we got work to do and I'm happy to be doing it with you. So we're going to take a, maybe like two minutes and I want you to jot down as many beliefs about mental health your mental health, mental health in general, whatever, that you have, that you can think of, just a free right, can't be wrong, can't be right, or can't go wrong here, sorry. <laughs> can't You can't do a wrong thing here. Just write down 
what some of your mental health beliefs are, your mental health stories. For example, I'll share some with you to maybe get your brain juices flowing. Mental health is only a psychological issue. Like it only can be fixed with psychology. Another one, mental health issues only happen through trauma or poor genetics. I have no control over my mental health. Could that be a subconscious belief that's holding you back? Anxiety and depression are mental illnesses that can't be healed. Healing is hard. Healing isn't possible for me. Anxiety is my personality trait. That's just who I am. I'm a depressed person. That's just who I am. Always been this way, always going to be this way. Is that a subconscious belief that you have? The only way to get better is by taking medication. The only way to get better is by taking medication. Is that one of your beliefs? I have to feel motivated in order to do something. No matter what I do, nothing works. Talk about a slam on the brakes limiting belief. I have no reason to get better because life sucks no matter what. I have no energy to do anything. I can't do it. I shouldn't be struggling with this. Nutrition can't make that much of an impact on mental health, especially when it's like serious mental illness. Natural methods only work if you're not struggling that bad. The only way to deal with mental illness or mental health issues that are caused by trauma is therapy and medication. And the last one I have is, I fear the reality I don't know more than the reality I do know, even if I'm struggling every day. Whew, some of those were real, really real. I want you to get real, real with yourself. I'm going to give you another minute or so. This is a great exercise to, to uh, do every once in a while, actually. All right, so I'm hoping to challenge some of your beliefs this week. What is the number one overlooked cause of mental health issues? Not even just depression, but mental health issues. So we have our psychological root causes. This is stuff like adult and childhood trauma, challenging life experiences, um, you know, going through any level of trauma, whether it's family, relationship, um, some awful life experience that you had, war, grief, divorce, abuse, all of that falls into the psychological causes. 
Then we have our spiritual causes, and I identify these as like feeling disconnected from a meaning or purpose in life, a sense of belonging, a sense of connectedness to something bigger than yourself, even if that's like a community. So the spiritual causes of poor mental health. Loneliness is a huge, huge, huge component of that. I would also put in um, like uh, you know, people that we surround ourselves with, our, um, our interaction with social media, things like that. That's going to, some of them kind of like spread over the, over the three of these because the last one is the physiological causes of mental health. Physiological or biological root causes, these are the stuff that start in the body and affect the brain. This can be issues, imbalances, deficiencies that start in the body but impact the brain. And the physiological root causes are what we are focusing on in this five-day workshop because they are the least talked about. They are the most ignored, and yet they play one of the biggest roles in this whole story. If you have unaddressed physiological issues, this will not only make therapy and medications only go so far, but it actually might prevent you from healing at all. For instance, vitamin imbalances and vitamin and mineral imbalances, if they are not addressed, which therapy, talk there, you know, therapy is not going to get, magically give you more zinc or more magnesium or B vitamins. If you're deficient or imbalanced in those, therapy isn't going to do that much. Same thing with medications. Medications aren't increasing your nutrients that you're getting. If anything, they're actually depleting them even more. Research shows that medications actually can pull your body's nutrient stores and further deplete you, further contributing to mental health issues and poor mental health. So that's why this is really going to be amazing for anyone, regardless of the life experiences you're coming here with. You can only help your body heal as a whole by applying these methods into your life. So whether you're doing this as your only healing protocol or alongside therapy and medications, it's a great complement to add in and see what you need. See what possibly your body needs more support with. So you might have heard me throw this term around today, which is functional medicine or functional uh, nutrition. What the heck does that mean? So this is basically a way of practicing medicine. And it instead of looking to just treat a disease at the symptom level and kind of like just treat the cause, like the, instead of just trying to treat the issue, um, we're looking at how and why the illnesses occur and restore health by addressing the root cause for each individual. So it's a zoom out. It's not a, oh, there's a mental health issue, so we're going to look in the brain and we're going to address brain chemicals. No, it's a zooming out as to asking why. Why are these symptoms happening? It's about approaching each individual as unique and building a healthy response that meets their needs based 
on thorough investigation, which addresses the root causes of why you're feeling off, of why you're not feeling your best. What do I mean by root cause? So root cause versus symptom. We're going to use an analogy for this. Imagine you walk into your house and your kitchen is flooding. There's water all over the floor. And you're like, oh my God, there's water all over the floor. <laughs> we need to clean this up. So you go and you grab your mop and you mop it all up. And you're like, ah, yes, got it. All clear, all clean. Kitchen is back to normal. You feel good and then you leave and you go about your life. But then you walk back in a couple days later and there's water all over the floor again. And you're like, what? I thought I took care of this problem. What the hell? All right, maybe a mop's not going to work. So let me do something different. Let me get a wet vac and I'm going to vacuum up all the water. Suck it all up. Do it, right? Do it. The kitchen's clean again. Is the problem solved? Is the, did you solve the problem with the mop or with the wet vac? Sounds like the water is probably going to come back again if it were my guess. So this time we ask, why is there water on the floor? Where is the water coming from? So you start to look around and maybe in one scenario, you see that just the kitchen sink tap is open and the water is overflowing onto the floor, right? I know it's ridiculous, but just go with me, okay? And the water is overflowing out of the sink onto the floor. Well, okay. So even if we mopped and wet backed it for the rest of our lives, obviously that is not going to help if the water is overflowing out of the kitchen sink. In another scenario, we see a pipe had burst and is leaking. And then in another scenario, we notice that there's a hole in the roof. And so water's leaking through the roof. So many causes, potential causes of there being water on the floor. So are we going to just keep finding new ways to mop it up? Or are we going to fix the problem at the root? I think we're going to fix the problem at the root. Resounding, unanimous answer. <laughs> so in one scenario, we're going to turn off the tap. Simple. In another one, we're going to replace that pipe that burst. And in another one, we have to um, fix the leak in the roof. So this is the same mentality that we want to approach our mental health with. We don't just want to mop up our symptoms with this solution or that medication or that therapy or that method. They may help, but if it's not the source of the problem, it's not really going to ever feel right. We're not ever going to have a clean floor without water on it. So we want to find out why we're having these symptoms, why this is happening in the first place. And once we understand why, we have a variety of solutions available to us. And obviously, some solutions are going to be appropriate for some causes and inappropriate for other causes. Like, we're not going to fix a pipe if it's the leak in the roof that's the problem, right? So we want to utilize all this information, and that's kind of where I come in. I help you figure out what the root causes is, and then I can help you based on what that information is, figure out the best plan of action that's gonna help your particular issues. So depression, um, or I like to just talk about depression because it is so prevalent as well as anxiety, so we'll use them kind of both, but mental health problems, depression is a symptom. 
of course it is a diagnosis, right? But a diagnosis is a group of symptoms that something is off balance in the body that needs to be remedied, needs support. The problem is not all in our head. Depression is not a root cause. There are many possible root causes of depression and therefore many solutions. It's often misdiagnosed and mistreated, for sure, especially in women. So women experience more than two times the rate of depression as men in diagnosis, and our one in seven women are being medicated. And I've seen women be medicated for PMS. I've seen women, you know, be medicated for postpartum depression. I've seen women be medicated for um, uh, just life, uh, kind of like midlife sort of depression, I guess you could call it that. I've seen women be medicated for, people be medicated for many different reasons. Same solution, but the causes of all of these women are different. They're not all the same, and yet they're only offered the same solution, which is taking antidepressant medication. So the amount of medications being given out are way, are at an all-time high, let's be honest. And I'm not even knocking medication because it is needed in certain scenarios, absolutely, and can help and has helped people in certain scenarios, absolutely. I just want to point out, like, we're not getting better. If anything, we're getting sicker. The rates of depression and anxiety are growing, and we need more answers. We need more solutions. So what actually does cause depression and anxiety? So these are, look at my little iceberg over here. So we have depression and anxiety are the parts of the iceberg that's above the water where we can see the symptoms. We know these symptoms. And it doesn't even have to be diagnosed as depression or anxiety for you to experience these symptoms, okay? Low mood, exhaustion, heart palpitations, just feeling numb, disassociated, appetite changes, chronic pain, irritability, sleep issues, PMS, difficulty focusing, memory problems, no motivation, emotional, just anguish, not having joy in the things that you used to love to do, um, not sleeping well, having your energy be totally tanked, uh, having a wired but tired feeling, so many symptoms. I didn't even list them all here. There's so many more. These are the part of the iceberg that we can see above the water. So what is below the surface? What's underlying? These underlying root causes are all connected, almost all connected to nutrition from blood sugar imbalances to leaky gut to gut bacteria imbalances, cortisol and adrenal issues, thyroid issues, gut inflammation, inflammation in general, poor nutrient utilization, poor digestion, autoimmune disorders, nutrient deficiencies, nutrient imbalances, poor absorption, leaky gut, leaky brain, and genetic vulnerabilities that are expressed.
all of this is underlying these issues. And the question is, again, but why is there water on the floor? Why is there inflammation? Why is there poor nutrient utilization? Why is there gut dysbiosis? Why, why, why? So we're still digging. Is depression genetic? Is depression just in our genes? If we have, if we're predisposed genetic history, family history to mental health issues, are we 100% screwed? 100% gonna get them? The answer is no. That's because depression is not just genetic, but it's both genetic and epigenetic. What does that mean? Our genes are our DNA that has been passed down through our family history, right? Through, down through our, our DNA. Epigenetics is the interaction of our environment with our genes to either have them, to determine how they are used, to determine if they are used. So just because we might have a gene that predisposes us to anything, any illness, including mental health illness, that doesn't mean that those genes will be turned on. The environment, how what we interact with from the time we are in our mother's womb throughout the entire life cycle is interacting with our genes all day, every day. And it is the interaction of the environment with our genes that expresses those genes or turns them on or turns them off. A really great way to think about this is think about an orchestra. We're gonna to go to this picture for a second. Think about an orchestra. We have the instruments, right? All the people playing all the instruments, the violins, the string section, the brass section, we got the percussion. What else do we have in an orchestra? It's been a really long time since I went to, the, to see an orchestra in real life. I think the last time was like two years ago in the city. You get my drift. We also have the conductor, the guy at the front telling everyone when to play and how to play and all that stuff. The orchestra, the instruments are our genes. They're there, right? Whatever instruments are there is what we were born with. If we didn't have a viola when we were born, not gonna have it. <laughs> we're not gonna have it. It's there or it's not, okay? Those are our genes. We were born with them, all the instruments. The conductor is epigenetics, our environment. And the conductor does what? He is going to conduct, he is going to signal to each instrument if they should play or not, how loud they should play or how soft they should play, how fast they should play, how slow they should play. It's gonna signal if the conductor doesn't signal to the instrument, it's not gonna play. The same thing, if the environment is not signaling a gene to turn on, it's not gonna play. 
So the epigenetics, the conductor, the environment really plays a massive, massive role in the expression of our genes. What are some of these environmental things that can have an impact on our genes? The food, think of the stuff that you interact with every day. The food that we put into our body every day, multiple, multiple, multiple times a day. The toxins we encounter just by breathing, just by being alive in this point of history, we are we are interacting with toxins every day. I, I read something earlier this week that said the average woman interacts with over 150 toxins before she even leaves her house every day. I also read another piece of research that said baby, unborn babies already are born with something like 300 toxins in their system before they even come out into this world. That's how much chemicals and toxins we are living around. In the air that we breathe, in the clothes that we wear, in the stuff we put on our skin, in the um, stuff we are storing, our, our plastic that we're storing stuff in, um, the chemicals that we're using in our furniture, in our clothing, in our sheets, in our mattresses. I know, it's a lot. This one gets me. Scented candles. I love scented candles. I love them. But it is chemicals, right? Medicine and drugs that we take. Um, just like life stuff, of course. The environment. So like the five people that you spend the most time with. How many times have you said that? You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, because they're in your environment. And so that's going to influence something about how you think, something about how your brain fires. Imagine if the five people that you spent the most time with growing up were abusive or traumatic, you know, like get, you experienced trauma with them. That is absolutely going to impact your genes. They even talk about um, how victims of the Holocaust, the generational trauma that is carried down um, generation after generation is still in the DNA. Doesn't mean that we can not do something again to influence what goes forward from us. We can actually do quite a bit to influence the DNA that we give to our descendants. I wanted to make sure I said the right word. All right. What else can influence our genes? Exercise, movement, our the health of our microbiome and our gut, um, social, psychological, so many things, and there's even more in our environment that can impact our life, our genes. So there is so, so much, you guys. And we're just scratching the surface this week, but I think it's gonna give you a really good picture. So let's just take this back. This is our same iceberg. Men, um, mentality, uh, concept rather, and I just put our epigenetic influences that contribute to these things going awry at the bottom. So what do we have? We have processed foods, um, processed fats, processed meat, refined sugars, refined carbs, eating them all the time, standard American diet, consuming it, so having it be the foundation of what you're putting into your body. I don't care what your food choices are. What I care about is 
do you get the nutrients that you need from the food that you're eating? And hate to break it to you, but processed food, maybe it has a lot of calories, maybe it tastes really good, but it is nutrient poor. It does not provide the nutrients we need. Chronic and mental and physical stress, life stress, work stress, but also um, the amount of exercise that you're doing that can be considered a chronic stress if it's done too intensely, too many times chronically. We'll get more into that on the exercise day. Digestive issues, if do you have bacteria in, uh, infections, do you have parasites that you don't know about, do you have gut bacteria imbalances, medications that you take chronically, antibiotics, proton pump inhibitors, birth control, statins, um, I feel like I'm missing a really big one, can't think of it, sedentary lifestyle, we are made to move, other chronic illnesses, other autoimmune diseases, Food sensitivities from gluten to dairy to soy to eggs to any food sensitivity that is causing more inflammation and stress in your gut. Nutrient poor diet, heavy metal toxicity, having that accumulate in your system and your body not being able to properly detox body able to properly get those toxins out and they accumulate in our cells. Genetically modified foods, chemical and hormone exposure from food, antibiotic exposure from food, and mold, pollutants, um, xenoestrogens, which are like artificial hormones essentially that we get, uh, we, we interact with this is, can come from plastic and things like that, environmental toxins. So there are many epigenetic influences that can negatively impact our mental health. But the amazing thing is there are many epigenetic influences that can also improve our mental health. And of course, that's what we're going to focus on this week. But I needed to explain this stuff to you first. Now you might be thinking, well, what about the brain chemical imbalance, like low serotonin theory that I've heard my entire life? Me, me as well. Isn't that a root cause? Like if I have a chemical imbalance, I have to take medication, right? Well, I don't know if this is the first time you've ever heard this, but this is actually a, a myth that's gotten out of control, a claim that's gotten out of control. The brain chemical imbalance theory has never been proven in any piece of scientific literature or study as a root cause of anxiety or depression. It's not as simple as you don't have enough serotonin or you just don't produce enough brain chemicals. There's at least five brain chemicals that we know of that are involved in mood. Serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine, GABA, and... Of course, I'm going to forget the last one. <laughs> Come on. Oh, shoot. I don't know. It just went out of my head. I'll think of it in a second. This is just one example that, uh, sorry, just like there are many steps in getting and, getting and utilizing nutrients into our body utilizing them properly, digesting them, absorbing them, transporting them. The same goes for our brain chemicals. There's a lot of steps to produce them, send them where they need to go, 
have them be utilized properly. Have you ever had your brain tested for neurotransmitters? No, because it's actually not done. We can't accurately measure the neurotransmitters in our brain while we are alive. So there's a lot of questions that come up around this. This theory has been debunked. You can Google it and read more about it. These are just some of the articles that I pulled up from Psychiatric Times and from PLOS Medicine, anxietycenter.com, Google itself. Even if your brain chemicals are imbalanced in some way, not necessarily low, but maybe some are high, maybe some are low, it doesn't, this may in and of itself is a symptom. Even if the reason of your mental health stuff is because of a brain chemical imbalance or many brain chemical imbalances, it's, it is most likely a symptom itself and not the root cause. There's a deeper underlying cause affecting these brain chemical levels that needs to be addressed. And a lot of this can be addressed with nutrition. We need to dive in deeper. We need to understand what's going on with your genes, what genes have been expressed, what's not being expressed, what's turned on, what's not being turned on. How are these vitamins and minerals being utilized or not utilized properly? What is, in, what is an obstacle? What is in the way? and what needs support, what needs more help to balance this out so that things can run properly again. If you are one of these people that have tried multiple types of pharmaceutical intervention and antidepressant medications or anti-anxiety medications, and you have not gotten relief, you're not alone. About 30% of people do not respond at all to antidepressant medications. Multiple trials of different medications. And 30 to 50% respond well at first, but after a few months they report their depression symptoms come back or they just feel flat, like they have no feeling really too good or too bad. They're just kind of flat. And most people choose to not continue taking antidepressant medication because of the side effects, because of the awful side effects of um, intrusive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, uh, you know, your sex drive decreases, um, weight gain, and many, many, many more. You know, even more anger, like lots of other side effects. I know that a few people who are on some serious like benzodiazepines, which are anxiety medications, um, just the physical discomfort, the, the agony that they experience, and not to mention the withdrawal symptoms when you try to taper off of these are some of the worst withdrawal experiences you know, of any pharmaceutical medication out there. And the withdrawal symptoms have been renamed um, discontinuation symptom. But often people 
think that they're having these symptoms and it's a relapse of their mental, of their depression or anxiety because it's the same symptoms, but it's actually a withdrawal from the medication. And so tapering off of these medications is finally kind of being acknowledged. Like this is something that needs more attention. We can't just take these meds away from people. They need to be tapered very, very slowly so that there's not an awful response and so that these people actually have a chance of doing something for themselves and healing themselves. And so some of the um, some of the natural things we're going to talk about can support you in all of this, can give you answers if depression, if you're in a treatment-resistant depression um, group, if, you know, if the medication's didn't work for you. There's also support to help the tapering process. So it is, there's a lot to, to understand now, which is great. A lot of support. So how do we discover these physiological root causes? So there are a few steps. We're going to be introduced to them this week, but getting a full life medical experience, uh, sorry, full life medical history and life experience history from before birth until now is where we start. My initial one-to-one -one consultations with people are an hour and a half because I'm getting all of this information from them so I can start to put the puzzle pieces together. We want a full picture of your nutrition habits, any current or chronic medical issues. I might suggest that we order specific lab tests so we can get an even bigger picture, understand these puzzle pieces more about what's going on in your body, and then I can make certain recommendations more individualized. We need to figure out what's stressing the body and therefore stressing the mind. Discover what the body is missing and provide those nutrient needs in appropriate therapeutic dosages. Understanding why is, or what is happening now that could be triggering this, could, that could be perpetuating this. And then of course, talking about your current health beliefs, mental health beliefs, your intentions, your goals. At the end of the day, we wanna remove the stuff that's hurting and stressing and causing inflammation in the body and therefore the brain and the mind, like food intolerances and sensitivities, sugar and processed foods, pesticides, chemical exposure, medications and antibiotics, and replenish and add what can help heal your body comes after. Adding nutrient-dense foods, good fats, good proteins, whole carbs, um, how to get you better sleep, what supplements do you need for extra support, what probiotic do you need to help balance out your gut bacteria, what calming practices and other natural methods can we use to regulate your nervous system so that you can start to regulate your emotions, to regulate how you feel and go about and interact with the world? We're going to get into a bunch of these this week. Cannot wait to dive deeper into nutrient deficiencies and blood sugar imbalances, food sensitivities, poor nutrient diet, gut health, thyroid issues, adrenal issues, hormonal imbalances, chemical, uh, sorry, chronic stress and inflammation. We're going to touch on genetic variants and other illnesses. The main takeaway here is everyone is different. Everyone has different needs that they need to bring them back into balance. I want you to start to understand, to look inside yourself, to hear and decipher the messages your body is sending you about what it needs, about how to nourish it and heal it and bring it back to balance so that you can learn what's best for you. What felt great for you at one time might not be what's best for your body right now. And so we need to start to understand what's best for you to heal and to start to improve and feel better.
Whoo! All right, so that was really, really good first day. There is so much uh, that I shared with you. I totally understand, and I want to give you some time to like process and, and ask me questions. I'm going to actually be giving you a workbook with a lot of these slides so that you can either take notes or just have things to jog your memory. Um, but what a first day. Just beginning. I'm really, really excited about this week. We're just starting. All right, I am gonna sign off for today and I will see you back here tomorrow at one. Great job, everybody. Bye.